Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. This is our Q&A series where I answer your questions regarding the infinite banking concept, becoming your own banker. Let's get started. In this question, the gentleman asks, if you have a certain future expense coming, is there a time frame between sending funds to a policy and making the withdrawal to pay for that expense? At which point would it not make sense to send the funds in the first place? So absolutely a timing issue. You know, every kind of uh, purchase or financing opportunity is different. Everyone's timelines are different. <clears throat> but I would say this, that if you have the funds, if you have the money to pay a premium or to make a loan repayment, you should make the loan repayments as soon as possible, as soon as you have the ability to do so. And you should make premium payments, of course, on time. But if you have like unscheduled or flexible PUA uh, riders where you can pay an additional PUA premium, between the billing dates, I say pay it as soon as possible, okay? Now, when I pay a premium or when I make a loan repayment, typically that that those funds are not available for 30 calendar days or 20 business days. And every company is a little bit different. Now, if I already have cash value, let's say I have $10,000 in cash value and I make a $5,000 loan repayment or a $5,000 PUA payment, I can still borrow $5,000 from the life insurance company because I already had $10,000 in cash value before I sent the additional funds, either premium or loan repayment. So you got to give the life insurance company time to process a loan request. Um, and you got to give them time for the funds to actually transfer from your bank to their bank. It takes longer for them sometimes because they're still trying to get into the 21st century. Okay. Oh, he continues, example, I collect a real estate commission that will cover property taxes on one or more investments. If I want to pay as early as possible, say late September or early October, does it make sense from a banking perspective to send it to the policy in August? What if I wait until, what if I wait to pay until de December or January? And I appreciate you. I, I appreciate you and I appreciate the question. So I would say, uh, in addition to the uh, kind of a carryover from the, the last question, if I have a premium due and I have the ability to pay it, I want to pay it as soon as possible. All right. There is, there is still the, uh, the time value of money that exists in everything financial. Okay. Um, and then companies credit dividends differently. So if I pay, you know, a PUA premium in the first month of the calendar year, I'm going to get a full dividend for that additional PUA premium that I pay. Where if I pay it in maybe the last two weeks of the uh, policy year, I may not get a full dividend credit to that. Now, that's minor and minute, but over a lifetime, it can make a difference. And then it's still good discipline and good practice. Your money should have 
a job. You should allocate where your money and your cash flows are going to and coming from, right? And they need discipline. So if a premium is due, pay it. If you have the ability to pay you a pay a PUA premium, pay it. Now, when Uncle Guido, the tax collector, wants his money, I'm not going to get a discount for paying him early. Crickets, right? So, and I'm, I'm not sure what state you're in, but, you know, property taxes may be due on December 31st or January 31st. I'm going to pay them on the dang day before they're due. I know what to do with capital. They do not, my opinion. So I would get the money into the policy as soon as I had the opportunity, and I'm going to pay Uncle Guido the last dang day I can. Just me personally, okay? But generally, if you have a premium due, pay it. If you have a loan repayment or a loan balance, pay it. You know, with your outstanding loan balance – you're being charged interest. You know, we cannot get around this idea of interest. You either pay interest when you formally finance or you give up interest you could have otherwise earned by paying cash. That applies here too. So if I borrow money from the life insurance company, yes, my cash value is still going to be in the policy right? and earning dividends and doing what it's supposed to do. I'm collateralizing that cash value, borrowing the life insurance company's money, and they're going to charge me an interest rate, and rightly so. So the less interest or the least amount of interest that they charge me, I'm in a, I'm okay with that. I don't want to pay interest anywhere. But if I have to pay interest, I want to pay interest to the life insurance company. And then if I have this room in the PUA, I'm going to pay additional interest, quote unquote, which is I'm that's I'm calling that interest on the deal. Right? It is premium to the life insurance company if I have room to pay premium right into the PUA. If the PUA is full and the life insurance company is charging me five and I'm repaying it at 10, then I'm just gonna accelerate the shorten the duration of that outstanding loan. I'm gonna accelerate the uh the, the mortgage period, right? So I'm going to pay less interest. So it's, it's a preference, though. Now, if I have to give the life insurance company 30 days uh, before I have access to that capital that I need, right? Say um, I have a, a modest cash value and I make a, a premium payment, PUA payment, or a loan repayment, of you know 10, 5,000, 15, whatever number it is, but I need that money to go make another purchase. That 30-day timeline that I'm allowing the life insurance company to process those funds appropriately is in place. So if I'm going to miss a deal, like if I'm gonna go buy a car, we've negotiated the price, I'm gonna have a policy loan outstanding before the negotiations. If I know I'm gonna go buy a car, and I'm sometimes impulsive, you know, I might buy the car right then when I just intended to go drive it and look at it. So if I'm gonna purchase a real estate uh, property or property, um, or there's any kind of a real estate deal, you know, there's there's a time element involved in that. I want the funds readily available in my 
personal checking account or business checking account before I enter in the deal. So I will borrow from the life insurance company. Yes, they're going to charge me interest. That money is going to go right into my operating account. And then I'm ready to go make the purchase, right? The, look, cash is king. I don't care what anybody says. Um, and then timing. The first one to the deal with cash wins. Prove me wrong. That's just me. But good questions, and I hope that helps. This gentleman asks, as a general rule of thumb, what role should an annuity play in my IBC career? When should one start planning on utilizing this valuable asset? I appreciate the question, and I appreciate your classification of valuable asset applied to annuities. You know, annuities are extremely polarizing in the big wide world. People love them or hate them. It's almost like life insurance. People either love it or hate it. You know, and I don't know who hurt these people and why they hate things so much. I don't know. But I appreciate you seeing the value in an annuity. An annuity is a life insurance contract. And there are many forms of annuities or fixed annuities, variable annuities. But the essence of an annuity is an income stream, a lifetime income stream that you cannot outlive. Now, that's very broad. And to speak specifically about annuities in an individual case, you need to be working closely with an agent or advisor um, that understands annuities and understands you and what you're trying to do. So generally to your question, I would say um, it, since you have an IBC career, that means that you're participating in the infinite banking concept. And I would personally endeavor to use up my insurability. I'm going to buy life insurance until the life insurance company tells me I cannot have it. And that day's coming for all of us. It's a matter of time. And I hope it's a long time for you and me as well. Um, so once they tell me, no, I can't buy life insurance, and which would primarily be due to health reasons. If I purchased an annuity, there is no health component to that application. I just have to be able to pay the premium because when you put money into an annuity, it is a premium because it's a life insurance company product. Um, I don't have to go through health underwriting. Okay. Now, I see many cases where you have young people that don't normally wouldn't normally consider purchasing an annuity, but it it may be in uh, in particular accounts or positioned in such a way they can't get to it anyway for a long time and doesn't make sense for them to take it out and start infinite banking or what have you. Um, it could, I mean, I have clients as young as forty and even under forty that that have engaged in annuity um, purchasing. But there's a primary specific purpose for that, right? And it is generally for future income. Then an older client, maybe I'm uh, I'm taking all of my assets and now I'm generating income, whether it's life insurance, real estate, or whatever it is, your qualified retirement plans, there would be a potential uh, case or place for an annuity to guarantee income for you know yourself and your spouse or yourself or your spouse um so it could be really at any time but the primary purpose of an annuity is to throw off a lifetime income now if i purchased annuities when i was younger and i've got an infinite banking career and i'm fully insured 
that income from an annuity, if I need it, I'm going to spend it. If I don't need it, um, the gains are taxable on an annuity if it's non-qualified. If it is in an IRA or a qualified retirement plan of any type, other than a Roth, then it is all taxable on the distribution. So just think through this. Okay, I don't want to pay a premium in a, you know, forever anyway, right? Is what most people think when it comes to infinite banking concept. It takes a little bit of thinking through that, right? To get past that and to be okay with paying a premium for a long time. So let's just say I purchased an annuity and annuity and I'm going into passive income time. I'm going to, I could, I could turn on that annuity, have taxes paid on it, and then I get a net amount. That net amount can go into a policy as a premium. And then I'm telling you, if you practice the infinite banking concept and you have original illustrations or illustrations that you can put your hands on, you look at what a premium does when you pay a premium in your 60s or 70s, and then look at the increase in cash value and the death benefit. If you look at the increase in cash value, it will more than overcome typically than the cost of the taxes that you paid. Okay. So there's a lot there. And I think that you should be aware of all of your options in retirement or in income planning and, uh, and annuities are a, uh, can be a very powerful tool. Just don't be, uh, so, um, hate or love annuities you know they're just so polarizing right the uh, investment guru that wants all your money in the market you know he's going to beat up the annuity and and the 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 whomever's recommending or promoting annuities just like the annuity promoter or the and i don't mean that in a negative way or derogatory way but the individual that their 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 practices primarily in annuities for retirement income or what have you you know, they, they want to overly beat up the market or they overly, they want to be overly beat up life insurance. So my point is, I think there's a place for all financial products and opportunities. You should be educated and comfortable, comfortable with what you're doing and what you, what you own, the assets that you own, and then kind of disengage from that polarizing um, activity. So I hope that helps you. And thank you very much for the question. This question is James, wouldn't it be prudent to diversify one's financial system with both qualified accounts invested in diversified equities and a banking system? This is the approach I take. Well, God bless you. Um, I do not give financial advice to the big wide world. I give financial advice to my clients specifically. So I'm not going to, I'll leave it at that. If you choose to diversify in assets and asset classes, God bless you. Um, uh, would it be prudent? You know, yeah, I don't think it's imprudent, right? If you, you know, putting your money in, uh, oh, well, you said qualified accounts. So, well, let me think that through. Would I rather pay a life insurance premium with after-tax dollars or uh, tax-deferred dollars? But it doesn't. You don't. You don't. You don't specifically 
differentiate between Roth or traditional qualified accounts. So um, an IRA, a qualified, a traditional qualified account just means that I am making investments uh, with pre-tax dollars. So I'm deferring the taxes on my contribution. Okay. And then, you know, I've written, I've written, I produced, uh, 2013, so it's 11 years old. I produced a Banking with Life DVD on the 100-year anniversary of the Federal Reserve. We released it in 2013. So, and I go into great detail on qualified accounts. I think I have a module that talks about qualified accounts and the different characteristics of qualified accounts, getting a tax deduction today, postponing the uh, tax calculation who knows what tax bracket we're going to be in in the future and then i don't have access to that money uh, or i do have very limited access to that capital over the whole duration of the account's life so it let me say this it could be prudent and it, it it may or may not be prudent it depends on you specifically and your individual circumstances um i personally prefer to uh, pay taxes in a known bracket and pay only what I owe and no more. And of course, taxation is theft of private property by force. So I don't really agree with taxes. I know who's going to pay the build the roads, who's going to take care of the children. I get it. The same people that do today. Okay. Um, but I get it. You know, we've got a lot of countries we're supporting. We've got a lot of people we're supporting. And and if I just continue down this vein, right, while I'm practicing grace, um, the gentleman, uh, it was on YouTube. Okay. So let me ask you this. And the, the listener, if the government can print all of the money that they wish to, um, let me ask that question. Can the government print all the money they wish to? Well, apparently that's what they do. Well, if they can do that, if they can print all of the money that they want to, why do they need my money? Why do they need your money through taxation? I, I don't know either. I got a pretty dang good idea, though. Okay, so let me go back to the question. It could, it may be prudent, it may not be prudent. It depends on your individual circumstances, current situation, future goals, and you know, knowing that the future is unexpected. Um, so thanks for asking and allowing me to go through that. In this question, when does interest begin to accrue on policy loans? In parentheses, in advance or in or in arrears? Question mark. And then he asked, does a specific company charge a fixed interest rate or a variable? on policy loans and then what is that rate currently uh, and then how do policy loan re loan repayments work to pay down principal and interest it seems like there's been a lot of policy loan and interest uh, questions okay so when does the interest accrue Begin to accrue on a policy loan. The day one, the day you borrow, day one, day one. If I borrow, you know, $10,000 today, interest charges start today. 
Now, how do they bill for it? How do they account for it in advance or in arrears? You know, some companies offset reserve up front an amount of uh, an amount that that uh, functions in several ways to to prevent a lapse, um, to prevent overloan. But um, interest accrues day one, and then as you make loan repayments, there's either a refund of interest, right? Or the loan balance recalculates. So if I borrow ten thousand today, I'm paying interest from day one. It's an annual interest rate. Uh, you just take so on a ten thousand dollar loan, five percent interest rate, five hundred dollars in interest, and divide that up by three hundred and sixty five days. That's the daily interest rate that I'm going to be charged. Now, if I go forward and make a loan repayment in ten days, the uh, the company is either going to refund me the difference. Uh, the interest that I uh, was charged because the $10,000 was not outstanding over the whole 12-month time period. So it's an annual interest rate, accrued daily, charge day begins day one, or the company may um, reduce the loan balance when I paid the loan repayment and therefore I'm still being charged the interest rate on a daily basis, but it's on a lesser amount. Right. So it's how they do the accounting. You're paying interest every day. You have an outstanding loan. I don't care how they do the accounting in advance or in arrears. So that's a pretty good question. They were all great questions. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. If you have a question that you would like answered, email me at james at bankingwithlife.com. Thank you for listening. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time.